Hello, Dr. I am... constantly in a state of change. And that makes it puzzling, not only for their men, not only for their children, but also for themselves. And one of the changes in the life happens to be menopause. And menopause has so many phases to it, takes so much time of a woman's life and creates an alternate body image that one can hardly even imagine. Um, So that's what today is. It's all about weight gain and menopause, those of you who have turned in specifically for that want to know solutions and also desperately want to understand what's going on for your life. I'm going to refer to you to Christina Northrup's books about women and menopause because she's thorough. She's a medical doctor. She understands the various aspects of what's going to be going on for a woman, and she's completely compassionate about how puzzling it all is. Um, she has been able to help women realize that, goodness gracious, even with all of the understanding medically of what's happening, most medical doctors do not have much compassion or understanding for what a woman is going to be going through unless they are a woman themselves also having to come through menopause. So welcome to a world that you have to be your own biggest resource, always. And I think that's when women, what women know frequently is that they have gone through their life very, very much in the process of recognizing that they have to be their own best advocate. They have to stand up for themselves. They have to understand money. They have to understand family. They have to understand men. They have to understand the business world, the home world. Women have to be hardy and strong and capable of managing many fronts of their life. And one of the fronts of their life is their body, their body, and all the hormonal changes that take place. Okay, so I'm just going to focus now on menopause. We can go on all sorts of different tangents. Menopause is broken down into lots of different distinctive areas right now. You have perimenopause, then you have menopause, then you have postmenopause. These three phases collectively associated to the decrease of estrogen, the imbalance between estrogen and progesterone, and also the change and fluctuation of testosterone. And while there are many other things that go on in your body associated to all sorts of different types of hormones simultaneously, those are the three that are measured the most by doctors, gynecologists, uh, general generalists, to find out where a woman potentially is in the cycle of their menopausal era of life. This can start as early as 40 or earlier. Obviously, those individuals that have hysterectomies is going to start whatever time associated to them losing their ovaries. Um, but it can start as early as 40s. It can extend as late as 60s and uh, even farther. So you're talking about a potential of 20 years where you're going to have to be in befuddlement about who you are because your hormones 
are making you feel depressed, anxious, not as clear, memory loss, scattered in your head. Your musculature is compromised. Your skeletal structure is compromised. Now let's talk about your cardiovascular system. We don't often think of women being vulnerable to cardiovascular disease, but because of the hormonal change, they sure are. You have a lot of other complications associated. Thyroid conditions affect the whole hormonal process, and that also tends to be compromised in premenopausal. It also, perimenopausal, it also is compromised just in what we eat. Uh, and as and finally, hypothyroidism is is so evident throughout the female um, version of the species in the United States. I'm sorry to be talking so vaguely along these lines, but your hormones are going to be those chemicals that help bathe your brain, your organs, your bones, move throughout your blood system. They're going to be the thing affecting who you are in your personality, in your moods, in your relationships, in your intimacy, your self-confidence, in the clarity of your cognitive skills so that your career your family, your loved ones, your own self-identity is going to be affected by these chemicals. You need to take charge of being the sergeant of your life by understanding yourself and your hormonal process. And the truth of the matter is is that you are water as a woman. And as a woman, being water, you're never going to take the same shape twice in a given month, potentially in a given year so that you can be really happy with the way your body, musculature, your tone, your structure is in one year and the next year it can be completely compromised by a series of different hormonal changes that you did not anticipate or understand. The experience of a woman of not being in control of her life and in control of her body is in fact part of what it means to be a woman. This has been the way it has been from the get-go. And actually, in Western medicine, we understand this more than in most situations because the Western medicine cultures are very capable of um, now defining, let's give you a blood test. Let's, let's find out what the research has to say. Let's give you a replacement hormones. Uh, let's give you bioidentical replacement hormones. Let's, let's adjust you. Let's configure you in a certain way that you want to exist. And it is true that if you can uh, get in the sequence of really staying on top of all of these aspects of life, you will feel more in control than those women that kind of let it happen as they're going on their merry way to see life. But even with all those Western medicine interventions and ability to test where you're at, you are still going to be in a situation where you're not entirely in control. Now, what does weight gain have to do with any of this? The dance between estrogen and progesterone affects all sorts of aspects of your body that hold on to weight. For example, when you're under a high level of stress, your body tends to create a lot of cortisol. Cortisol makes you hold on to fat around your belly and waist. And that cortisol level, which is there to help you with stress, holds on to it almost like a way of protecting you in association to stress. That isn't exactly the way you want to look, however. And so you're now under more stress because your body image, your waist, your belly, the the little bun that develops after menopause takes place, 
you who are you? What happened to your waist and the handlebars that the love love handles as they say? What happened to your size? What happened to the fatty content underneath your skin? Well, in part it's because your hormones are there trying to create a balance. Here's another aspect of what goes on around menopause. Your body now no longer produces the estrogen that keeps it functioning the way it used to. Now it's decreasing estrogen. We have found that if you keep estrogen up too high, there's a possibility of having a chance for a greater amount of cancer, breast cancer. So people who want to get the estrogen replacement now are finding that there's a possibility of increasing the possibility of breast cancer, those cancers associated with such. So your body naturally is decreasing estrogen, but in the process of decreasing estrogen, it also holds on to whatever estrogen it can store. It's no longer being manufactured, but now it's being stored. And guess where the body likes to store estrogen? In fat. So it's just possible this accumulation of fattiness all over your body, the bun in your belly, may be associated to your body saying, okay, we're just going to try to hold on to as much estrogen as we can keep while you're going through this transition because estrogen is still determined to be an essential part of your life. Well, people don't really like to think about fat, and the accumulation of fat is something that's beneficial to them. And the truth is, is that it isn't necessarily beneficial because you can't move as well, you don't feel as good, you don't have a good self-image because it isn't related to that nice trim waistline or nice curvaceous muscularness that you would have otherwise. So it does compromise to have the fat. But it is also important to realize your body is always in a position of trying to make sure you can survive, that you can cope with whatever states are going to be adjusted inside of you. So if you look at the menopausal process over 20 years, more like having an intimate relationship with your body and commune with your body along those lines, you're likely not to have as many perimenopausal, menopausal, postmenopausal symptoms than women who try to fight it all the time. Women who are highly angered, resentful, anxious, or depressed about the changes in their body and focus upon it, tend to not be able to embrace the remainder of their life and make the remainder of their life they may still be in control of so compromised by the experience that now they really are less in control than they actually could be. So if you have this relationship with the changes in your body and you look at yourself and say, I'm water, and water takes on different shapes depending on what vessel it is being held in by. And if there's nothing holding it in, it just keeps spreading and taking all sorts of different shapes on water. I am the mood. I am the emotion. I am the unknown variable. I am the dancer. I am the one that creates creativity. I am the unknown. And if you can have a relationship with yourself where you can celebrate that aspect of being a woman in a woman's body that's there to change, then you will be less angry at yourself or your body. Now, along with the weight gain is, of course, craving. You're going to crave the type of foods that are associated to um, comfort. You're going to eat the foods that are antidepressants. The antidepressant foods are chocolate, 
fatty foods, comfort foods, those are the type of foods you're going to crave. And as a consequence, you are also compounding your weight gain because you're going to crave that. If you are an exerciser, or if you're not, but you're thinking of being one, one of the best ways to fight depression, the best way to create a sense of being in control, but not entirely, is to be an exerciser on a regular daily basis. That means muscle work, working with the weight. That helps your bones with the calcium. That helps the circulation in your body. So muscle work, improving your tone. Then cardiovascular work as well. That helps with the fat management. In addition, it also gets other hormones called endorphins in your system that help fight the depression and the cognitive slippage or lack of clarity because you're now bathing your body with the endorphins, even though you don't have the same amount of the estrogen or the combination of the estrogen and progesterone like you're used to. It's nice that we get some dosage of testosterone that are different relatively because for those of us that do get more testosterone, it also makes you more energetic, aggressive, and progressive. And that's why you often see a woman burgeoning or birthing herself in the middle-aged time of her life into being able to defeat so many complications in society, to harness the savvy and wisdom of being a woman and what they've gone through and being able to accomplish a lot because now they have that assistance with this really nice bathing of testosterone. But at the same time, you get the hairs on your face and that's when you begin to look less feminine and you're having to compromise all of that. In a world where beauty is so emphasized in terms of youthfulness, young skin, young musculature, trim, no fat, vibrant, clear-headed, no wrinkles, no gray hairs, then you can definitely see that your self-esteem is going to suffer if you are still measuring your aging body by the youth industry. So that this does become a time where you have to say, look, I have to be myself. I have to be the best of myself I can be. And the best of myself I can be is not the same as that 20-year-old sitting next to me. So to say that is not an easy thing to do. Women do not like to lose hold of their usefulness. Now, here's the other complication on the other side of it. Weight gain can occur because people let go. They say, oh, who cares? And so they'll eat according to their cravings. So, and those cravings, interestingly enough, while they're driven by a lot of hunger in the brain for different types of hormonal systems, or chemical systems, it's also a function of your mouth. And if you can see your mouth as something that wants to be entertained and have a lot of variety, but realize after the first or second bite of that deliciously fatty food, you probably don't even taste it and the texture isn't all that enticing. So sticking to the first or second bite of the food and then dropping it there may be the perfect formula for you to be able to address the cravings of your mouth but not overload your whole bodily system, which is already going through a whole series of attacks in terms of um, the hormonal shift. Your body is going to want to gain weight. Your body's going to give you a little bun in your belly. In fact, that's what they used to call it in the old days. You'd always tell when a woman went through menopause because they develop a bun, they never even had any bun before. That bun makes women look like they're pregnant. That bun makes them look like, well, probably what might have happened is while they were discontinuing their cycle, there was still that bloating 
and yet there was no loss of the bloating. I don't know exactly what they meant by Most scientists or people who discuss this say, well, it's a fat accumulation. You have to lose it the same way you lose a lot of fat. But there's also research that indicates that it could be an endometriosis type of impact. And you might want to look into if that has occurred. It could be some sort of swelling or other activity that goes on as well. I'm not a medical doctor. What I'm trying to say is that as a psychologist, it's nice to look at your body and say, well, what is my body telling me in this shift? And is traditional medicine clear on what that shift would be? Here's another idea to check out. Candida. We've been looking at yeast for a long time as women as a cause of a lot of medical complications, including weight gain, including craving, and including making it difficult for the menopausal years to get through without a lot of side effects. So you might want to proactively deal with any possibility of candida. Here's another, even more extreme viewpoint that nonetheless seems they have some position that is really a new looking into as you want a woman with your control. But is that bud and associated complications in your body actually associated with two parasites? The presence of parasites is probably in about 80% of us, even in the Western society, because of foods that have not been thoroughly cooked, vegetables that have not been thoroughly cleaned, your hands that have not been thoroughly washed, and that we have so many pets in our lives so that there's a high probability that you have had parasites and that your body has wonderfully been able to shift them out of your body, but is it possible that as you've contaminated or toxified your body through the years, that those parasites now have reached an age of maturity and are actually causing cancer and intestinal stress and other portions of your body that create fatty accumulation and also create the bile. Why do they talk about these sorts of things? Because as a woman, you enter into a world during menopause where you have to think differently or outside the box. Because while we know a lot, we don't know as much about the perimenopausal, menopausal, and postmenopausal symptoms. We just have gone along and accepted, well, it's just the way it is. The cards were dealt as a maturing woman. It's just possible. And if we become progressive and are dealing with the healthiness of our body from the inside out and the outside in, as more mature women, we will be able to help a new generation of women recognize what they can do in order to be optimized during the 20 years of perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopausal processes. We come to an end of our ability to make children. And in the process of coming to the end of our believing in children, there are other things that decrease the skin. The hormones associated with having sex is no longer in support of propagating the species. Now, if we are hungry for sexual intimacy, it is because of other aspects of what we've been able to introduce into our life. Interestingly enough, sexual hunger can have an impact on your weight gain as well. And so... If you have the hormones that really make you have an appetite for sexuality while you're going through the menopausal process, it may be associated to one, you're getting a great amount of space, two, that you're doing really good work on your musculature and your exercise and cardiovascular system, and therefore you're able to bathe those energizing hormones into your brain. So that would be number two. And number three, 
that you're able to keep your emotions engaged in the passions of life, including the passions of the people you are with. Number four, associated with number three, is the psychological ability to not accumulate the fattiness of bitterness, resentment, and antagonistic thoughts toward those individuals that are after you've been in a relationship for a long time. They get to you, and now you have to really come to terms with the zen-like experience of forgiveness, forgetting, and unconditional, uncompromising love, and passion. Now, associated to the passion that is related to sexuality is the passion of life, so that the women who are able to see themselves as the shaman or the wise woman of the tribe or the matriarch of their group and to come to terms with how powerful they can be in changing society, improving the situation, no longer being entangled in confusion, but now having clarity about being a woman or part of society or part of the family, to be able to impart with compassion and ease and not, not preaching the ability to know, let other women know how to be women, how to have relationships, how to walk the path of career, how to raise their children, how to take care of a multitude of items in their life, how to not be reliant on anyone, or including their husband, and yet still be able to create a codependent, and no, let me change that, an interdependent relationship with others in their lives upon whom they can depend in a healthy way and upon whom they will depend on them as well. The giving and receiving equation. You have that final state of being able to have the passion and insight and savvy to be able to look at women and say, let me help you through this. Let me walk you through the passage of this cave or this tunnel. What an interesting uh, um, title for a book Shirley McLean wrote, uh, uh, Aging While Saging was it saging while aging? <laughs> the idea is that she's trying to be as sage as she could be in her 70s, recognizing that she is aging, but now no longer having to hold on to a lot of ridiculous parameters that make it awkward, make you unable to maneuver freely and be in charge of your life, and be able to embrace those things that are very important to you. For her, it's the multidimensionality of her spiritual perspective that she's now able to openly express, like she has for decades, but openly express in her 70s because things just don't matter to her. She's not beholding or answerable to society that she has to lure into having a, a relationship with her. She now is on her own. She's successfully able to express herself without hurting other people, but yet being very true to her. It's that idea of being true to yourself that's associated to self-discovery, self-realization. Yogananda wrote a wonderful book about self-realization, a book an autobiography of a yogi. And while you may not agree with all the parameters and aspects of what he's saying, he really does capture throughout his book the power of realizing the real self that you are, not in a narcissistic, self-centered way, but in a strong, helpful, compassionate, wise realization of self. And for him, the self is really another word for divine because he believes that the self is among the divine, is the divine, is a part of the divine. 
And so as part of the divine system, the self-realization, truly the realization of the divine, the divine system, so that if you can embrace whatever is your divinity about life, whatever it is about yourself in the most honoring of fashion, and now move that into recognizing as you shift into a postmenopausal body in whatever way you do it, even if you're using bioidentical hormones, you will eventually shift into a postmenopausal body. So as you shift into that, how will you embrace your identity? So if your body's changed and you've put on the weight and you've put on the burn, go back to being very honest with yourself. Number one, what do I need to do to optimize my body today and do it today? Do the exercise. Do it approximately. Do it as good as you can do. Do it as good as today can create for you. What about the food you're eating? Is it raw? Is it fresh? Is it full of nutrition? Does it have the right type of omegas in it that are the right type of fatty acids but low on the fat that's going to glom onto your body now more than ever? Are you eating a quantity that matches your output of energetic uh, utilization calories? Or are you eating as much as you used to when you used to be much more active? Can you move into a relationship with food, even the food you love, and enjoy the first two bites and then be done? Because after that, it's not about the mouth enjoying the flavor or the texture. It's just about eating out of habit, habit of finishing and clearing the plate or finishing the dessert. And that's a habit. You don't need to continue habits that don't benefit you. You can now say, the habit, not a conscious process choice. You can be the sage in your life. That's number two in terms of today being able to manage your weight. Number three, take a good hard look at all the different ways that your body's changes may be associated with things you can't control. Candida, parasites, hormones you can influence through your food, through the different types of teas, green tea, white tea, by the way you do or do not interface with dairy products. The protein you're taking in, is it clear and clean and fresh? Or is it loaded with fat? Or is it more fat than protein? What type of ways are you embracing who you are as yourself? Because as you embrace and love yourself, your hormones change in your brain so you don't have to overeat to feel good. That's not your point of gratification. And that will impact your energy, your therapy and metabolism, willingness to exercise, your willingness to eat, that's so godly in your sense of godliness in your own body, treating yourself as a divine creature as you age, and then imparting to the world those wisdoms you have to offer and recognize in them, gifting back random acts of kindness that fight anxiety, depression, improve your self-image, guess what? It impacts your weight. This is Dr. Carol Francis. This is the Make Life Happen program. So if you're doing this menopause, sorry, been there, done that, got that. But now let's deal with the next phase of being you, more you than ever before, except for me.
at 310-543-1824. Would love to hear your stories or help you out with this journey. Take good care. Bye-bye.